Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by a prospective Coast Guard recruit. So, he is graduating high school this upcoming spring, a year early, which is a really remarkable accomplishment. You're going to be graduating high school at 17 years old and joining the Coast Guard at a very young age. That's amazing to think about. But what I find very fascinating is that this is what he wants to do. This is the service that he has dreamed about coming to. To the point where he was a fan of my earlier podcast episodes and reached out to me to be on the podcast to tell you all why he wants to take this career path the way that he's doing. So I'm honored today to welcome my high school guest, Eric Slutsky. Hey, how's it going? I'm Eric. Nice to meet you guys. So, where are you from, Eric? I'm from North Jersey. A uh, town's called Closter. It's a Burden County. And why did you decide that you want to join the Coast Guard? What got you interested in it? Well, when I was younger, I joined the Sea Scouts. And from there, I found out about the auxiliary. And after that, just like a snowball effect. And it's the branch that I want to go. Okay, so let's start out with that. Is the Sea Scouts. What is the Sea Scouts? Well, the Sea Scouts is like a, it's a branch of Boy Scouts. So... There's like, it's the water-based branch, so there's like boating and water safety and kayaking, and they're all pretty much all the water, the whole water aspect of it. And how do you get involved with that? Do you have to be in the Boy Scouts beforehand, or? Um, You can, you don't have to be, you just gotta like, sign up, there's like a minimum age requirement, but not really, it's just uh, just a program that you can sign up for. And what piqued your interest to join that? Um, I realized I wanted to join the military, so mostly the wa- a water like branch so that's pretty much where i started from there and how early in your life did you decide that you want to join the military at about 15 did you have any family members that had served in the military before you no i haven't so this is your first generation military service member of your family yeah what did your family think about when you told them i want to join the military so you're 16 right now so about a year ago you ultimately decide you want to join the military what did your family think they were indifferent. I mean, they preferred other options, but they were they, they were pretty much happy with any way I'd go. Happy for your decisions that are going to make you happy. Yeah, pretty much. That's always very nice to have that support from your family. So you're about a sophomore in high school, essentially, when you're deciding this. Uh, freshman. Okay, freshman, freshman in high year, school? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're a freshman in high school, and you've joined the Sea Scouts. And then, did you join the Coast Guard Auxiliary on top of that to see if you would like the Coast Guard? Didn't decide between the Coast Guard and the Navy, or did you already decide on the Coast Guard at this point? I was thinking about the Academy and just the Sea Service in general, and I I knew someone in the Auxiliary, and I I kind of just was fascinated by the program, and I just decided to go ahead with it and join. And so, what have you done in the Auxiliary in your time there? I mean, you're very young for an Auxiliarist. We had an Auxiliarist on here earlier, and he said most Auxiliarists are older. Yeah, so I've been doing mostly training. I've been learning a lot about the auxiliary culture, and I've got to go go to some like events. So you got to go to the New York City Marathon, do security, and I just got to talk to a bunch of different people. I met really Admiral Admiral Mogger. I met Master Chief Ingham, and a bunch of other people from my area. It's a great experience. Well, you know, Master Chief Ingham's a regular listener to this podcast, so he's listening to this episode that we're talking about right now. I hope. You have any uh, words you'd like to say to Master Chief Kingdom while he, <laughs> he is listening? Uh, 
Hey, Master Chief, thank you for recommending this podcast to me. I really enjoyed it. It's a good podcast. Well, I'm sure they appreciated that you were doing security detail at the marathon because, you know, like I was saying earlier, not a lot of auxiliaries are your age. They're normally older people. So the, what they're trying to promote is get more youth in the auxiliary program. Right, correct. That's why they, the auxiliary has a program with the Sea Scouts, so they sponsor Sea Scout ships, which is why you can become an auxiliarist at 14, usually it's 17, I believe. So it's basically trying to get younger people into the interested into the Coast Guard and the auxiliary itself. Do you think it's good resume builders for people interested in, let's say that you were interested in going to the Coast Guard Academy route or another military academy, so like West Point or Annapolis? Do you think being part of the Coast Guard Auxiliary helps out with those application processes? Yes, definitely, because not only does it build character, but it shows like interest in the military, interest in the career. It shows drive, because it's not an easy program to do. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of pieces, a lot of dedication to get the training, because the training's pretty intense. But uh, it looks good, just like doing an EMT or being a firefighter, or in general, volunteer, Boy Scout, they all look very good, but sh- like doing something for your country, like... like for your community, it looks a lot better. So you said the training is pretty hard for the auxiliary. What What is entailed in the training that you've done at being 16 years old? Well, right now I'm I'm almost done with book crew. I'm finishing book crew training, and it's pretty intense. There's a lot of, but it's mostly book, but there is some physical aspects. But it's it just takes a little while. It took me a little while to get to start it, but it's mostly like book stuff, including like. Uh, like tactics like for safety and like security and like the regulations around boating and like maritime security and you're doing this all volunteer based on your own volition too no one's forcing you to do this that's the beauty of the auxiliary is that it's completely volunteer on your own time and that looks really well in application process like you're saying yes definitely you're you're interested primarily in enlisting as you were telling me about earlier yeah primarily do you have any interest in the service academies? Or? I did. I do. I did apply. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a very similar interest. I wanted to see how, how far I could go. Well, I I think, um, you know, it's good to keep your options open. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So it's good that you're working on your enlisted package as well as applying to the academy. So you have multiple avenues because the Coast Guard is what you want to do. Like that is your goal. Yeah, correct. So, I think what I especially want to ask you now is because you're a junior in high school, you're finishing up a year early to join the military. Correct. There's probably a lot of high schoolers in your grade, in your shoes, that are just having to start thinking about what they want to actually do after high school. You know that point at the end of your junior year where reality hits and you start getting asked questions. Well, you got to start thinking about which path you want to take as a senior. because. You're going to join the workforce. Are you going to go in the military? Are you going to go to college? So you're kind of a little bit ahead of the ball on yeah. that. But for a lot of your peers that you know aren't necessarily thinking about that yet, what what is your advice to them when they're looking at the process of, should I look at colleges? Should I look at the military? How do I go about doing all this with so little time? Um, I'd say just look and look at what really makes you happy because in the end, maybe the money is not great. Maybe it is good or maybe there's things that, that may discourage you. But in the end, if it makes you happy, it's all that matters. I couldn't do a regular civilian desk job. So I, I just followed what I think would make me happy. And 
and I'm sure that's that's if you do that, I'm sure you'll be much better off than someone who just chases the money or someone who just chases like the title. Well, also it's cool too because you're in deep with the auxiliary, so you've had your trial runs essentially with doing the Coast Guard to see if you like it before. You didn't just go out on a limb. You made a very deliberate, calculated decision that this is definitely what I want to do. Um, yeah, correct. I in general, I don't. It's not good to go think to things blindly. So you should look at your options, talk to people, interview people, get the idea of what's going on because if that way you have a better idea if it's for you or not. Like I talked to a lot of people about the Coast Guard I'm, and then it just helps you out. Like if you if you talk to people you know you get their opinion, you know what they you know what they like and you can base your opinion off what other people's experiences instead of having to go through and make mistakes yourself. So what are you most passionate about joining the Coast Guard? What do you want to do? Um I want to go on me. Um hopefully end up in SST or MSRT. And at one point in my career. So the maritime enforcement range. Yeah, definitely. And why do you want to go ME? What what about ME is attracting you so much? Because you've told me that you want to make a career out of the Coast Guard, more than likely. Yeah, correct. With the auxiliary, we operate, especially where we operate, we operate on Greenwood Lake in New York. It's a, it's a lake in between New York and New Jersey. And our role there is more water safety, but it's also a little bit of an authoritative... Uh, role so you can kind of see the like logistic perspective not logistic the law enforcement perspective or like the informative where you keep people aware of your surroundings but i've also seen like the significance of law of coast guard's law enforcement like institution in the south and the borders with drug enforcement and and the migrant work and it's pretty motivating so you've done migrant (laughs) operations or you've worked with people that have done it yeah, I've worked with people that, that have done it. I've seen, I've talked to them, and it seems very interesting um, to do to work with such uh, programs. Well, it's really nice that you've been able to get those perspectives, too, because definitely nothing beats actually putting your hands on it, but a first account perspective is also very cool. So you have a lot of interest and passion in the Coast Guard. What resources have you been able to find and access? Because I know a lot of high schoolers that are interested in the Coast Guard say that they have a hard time finding good quality resources about the Coast Guard. So how have you worked piece by piece to develop this like good finding of resources? Well, I've talked to auxiliarists who worked with Coast Guard people. I go to a recruiter. A recruiter will tell you as much as they can. Um, reach out to people. Reach out to leadership. Reach out to local local members and it's just a process. You just got to know what you want and try to find people who have done it or who are on the path to do it. Do you think there's any good resources online out there for if you want to hear in-depth discussions about every rate? So that's what the podcast here is trying to build over time. Right. But as of right now, it currently stands. What's your best resource to go to online if you're researching right so the recruiter or the online recruiter they have those two or the coast guard go coast guard.com coast coast podcast is an amazing resource um <laughs> let's see you ever check out the reddit oh yeah reddit and core are really 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 good um resources so i learned a lot from people on there and there's not a lot about everything but when there is a specific thread they'll go really in depth about it and you can learn a lot there's a lot of joking around on there too, but, yeah, you know, because a lot of the Reddit members are already in the Coast Guard, and we kind of joke around, and talk with each other on there. Um, but for 
anyone that is listening is that we have a Coast Guard Reddit thread. So if you just type in on Google Coast Guard Reddit, you can get almost any question answered. It might not be the most up-to-date information if it hasn't been asked in a while. So every two weeks they update the recruiting thread though for people just like you, Eric, is um, you'll be able to go on there and ask any questions you have about getting ready for boot camp or any uh, questions about a rate you're interested in. Right, yeah, ask away because I ask a couple questions, people will respond in a matter of days or weeks and it, it's really helpful if you have a very specific question that you can't really find the answer to. People people know the answer, so it's always a great help. So you were saying that you've applied to the Coast Guard Academy. Do you have aspirations to one day become an officer? or? Yeah, I do. I, I think that one day, at one point in my career, I want to try and go for that opportunity. But I really like the enlistment role, enlisted role and the opportunity. So maybe go, gain some experience first and enlisted and then maybe go from there as become a more a better leader for the other Coast Guardsmen and women and then from there become like an officer. So from your perspective, not knowing in depth about the Coast Guard yet, what do you see as the difference in roles between an enlisted person and an officer? For me, I think that enlisted has more of like the foot on the feet they're they're the people on the ground. They do most of the work. I mean there's and then as an officer gets higher up, they do more administrative work and they're in, they have more responsibilities. So they're in charge of the enlisted and they manage that aspect of it. Uh, um, officers also have a very big supportive role for, and they basically hold enlisted up and keep the uh, to keep the standards up. Uh, You're talking like presentability with your uniform yeah. and following the rules the way yeah. they're written yeah. in the guidelines. Yep. Well. What we always talk about too is that it's very much, if you can look at it like this, is that enlisted is personnel-based. So you're dealing a lot with personnel now. As an officer, of course, as an XO on a ship, you're in charge of the personnel and disciplinary actions. However, for officers, it's much more project-based. So if you come in as an ensign on, for instance, Coast Guard Cutter Oak, you're doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff You know that we don't see working on deck doing shipping and painting would be our daily thing as a non-rate. But as an officer, you might have collaterals. Every officer has collaterals on the boat. And especially with so few JOs on the boat, there's a lot of collaterals. So one of our JOs, for instance, is the education service officer. So she's in charge of making sure that you know everything about your TSP, tuition assistance, if you want any help going back to school, helping you get on the A school list. She's in charge of all that. But another collateral, she's also the advanced navigation department. So she helps out the BMs on the bridge again, the charts all up to date. You wouldn't see any of that as a non-rate though. So actually as a JO, you're still kind of working on the ground and there is more administrative stuff than the lowest rank in enlisted. But I think just regardless if you're enlisted or officer, the higher you move up in rank, the more computer desk work you're going to find you get, even as an ME. Right. So what about being an ME are you most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the overall mission. I think the like the LE mission is something that really interests me. And I it's, I mean, people, people to the coast would usually think of either the search and rescue, the SAR aspect, or... LE mission. I mean, there's a bunch of other support missions and other aspects that keep that define the Coast Guard. But I think 
it leaves a very major part of it. And I mean, it's something that I aspire to do. So you would like to be the guy that essentially goes out of, let's say that there's a Memorial Day weekend. You have drunk party boaters out there causing a ruckus, driving unsafely. You want to be the guy that goes out there and stops them to keep safety on the waters. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so walk me through what you think you do. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, it's you want to help people out. So you want to make sure there's it's safe and safe air. So maybe not like party poopers, but it's... Uh, you want to keep the waterways as safe as possible, so there is, so it's an area for where danger cannot occur, where accidents can happen. Because, um, especially with probably your experience in the Coast Guard, there's a lot of dangerous things that can happen, especially on the water. Like it's a lot of like, it's not as safe as people think it is. Right, and there's a lot of dangerous things underneath the water too. Yeah, definitely. So, any number of things could happen that end up causing collisions to either your own personal boat or another vessel as well. So it's really important to have those LE personnel out there ensuring that everyone's playing safe out there. Right. Especially with law enforcement and drug addiction, that's become more and more important part nowadays, I think. So even with counterterrorism too, we're shifting more to a digital society, but we're also seeing more and more people trying to harm us, I think. Yeah, it's definitely becoming an increased issue with cyber threats. But that's why Coast Guard started a cyber rate, is because we have all these threats to our shipping terminals and, you know, our systems on board our cutters and stuff. So I guess that'd be my next question to ask you. Would you like to go shoreside or on a cutter? Um, I'd say cutter. I mean, I always want to travel. I want to see, I mean, see the coast up. I mean, other the other areas, the Pacific, um, in South America, I always want to travel and talk to some people in the Coast Guard who've traveled all over the world, not just America. They've been to Europe, Asia, South America. They've been everywhere. And just that aspect of traveling and seeing and experiencing all these other cultures, just, I'm really excited to do that. The thing is, too, it's about putting yourself in the right situation. So you want to go Emmy rap. So the RAP program is a uh, more streamlined process. Your A school is shorter than a normal length A school. Right. And the list is shorter, so you'd go to A school quicker. But you have to be a board and team member, so there's other quals to get to that. But what I would tell you about the uh, path to take is that a lot of people are telling you a small boat station is easy to get the ME RAP path. But in order to go to these places that you want to go, a cutter is your much more likely destination to be able to get to those. And it's very situational. Right. I didn't think I'd go to a buoy tender and go both to Greenland and Florida in one year. It just happens. Right. So you never know where you're going to end up being. Larger cutters, you tend to have a more likely chance of traveling further. Right. So if you think of a whimsical. Yeah. I mean... The more people I talk to, the more people, the more I realize that like, it's about the long term. So maybe you don't get to travel in the first one, two, three, four years, but it's worth it to see the rest and experience and get everything else you need to get done so that you can have a good experience and a good and a good uh, time. I mean, if that's, I mean, for me to go on a cutter and, and do the job that I want to do, I may need to go to a shoreside first. Or it, in the end, it's just a, it's a game they got to play. It's like in the long run, you got to look at the bigger picture. 
Right. You can't be narrow sighted. It's a 20 year career. And I, I assume that everyone that's listening here just knows like how befuddling and outstanding it is that he's going to be 37 and eligible to retire <laughs> from the Coast Guard. That's incredible to think about. And you're going to have a lot of journeys along the way. I mean, if you're on cutters, every three years you're going to get transferred. So you can see the world if that's what you want to do. Coast Guard has the opportunity to let you do that. Right. You can stay regional. Coast Guard has the opportunity to let you do that. But it sounds like you got a really heavy desire to travel. Um, yeah, I mean, my, the bigger, my bigger, like, aspiration is to, I really want to become a part of an MSRT at some point in my career, so traveling is nice, but in the end, it's, it's something I do want to do, but the career comes first, so I really want to try to shoot for the tier one and tier two, um, units. And could you fill us in on what MSRT does? So MSRT is like a, it's the counterterrorism aspect of the Coast Guard deployable forces, so it does counterterrorism and it does a lot of training for our allies and things like that. What would they be the equivalent to of another service? Something more well known to the um, public? I I want to say SEAL Team. They work a lot alongside the SEAL teams. They do a lot of stuff like that. They work with them on the counterterrorism. SEAL Team does counterterrorism as well, but they do. Right now, the Coast Coast transitioning to do more uh, counterterrorism with MSRT. So you're you're preparing the MSRT training. Is it similar to SEAL training? Yeah, they they do. It is it is pretty much pretty similar. They um they also have a green team, which is the Navy's Navy SEALs have their own green team, which is like their version of trying out for SEAL Team Six. Um, MSRT is a SEAL team as a not SEAL team has a green team as well. It's um where you basically it's the more in depth training that you gotta go through to become a member of the MSRT. And how long or rigorous is this process? I'm just unfamiliar with it. I've never looked into MSRT. Um, I believe the um the the pipeline is about a year to two. It depends, but there are some requirements, and it's a pretty lengthy pipeline. Have you read any uh, books from Dave Goggins? I have it. There are some good books. Yeah. Can't hurt me. Yeah. Great book. Never finished. Yeah. I actually have that one sitting there right now. I haven't started yet. Good book. But he's one of the most inspirational seals that you can hear about right now is just the intense training that he went through. And I imagine Kosi's doing training similar to that for the MSRT. And yeah. Those guys must be really well trained. Yeah. I'm sure it's not as intense in the same ways, but because it's 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 DOD. This is DHS, DOHS, but um, they're quite similar in, in the requirements that you gotta have. Does that transition? What you want to do with the MSRT? Does that transition to civilian side work? Yeah, it does. It transitions to CIA has units, uh, Secret Services units, and even police. They have like counterterrorism and drug enforcement, DEA. They all have units for like the law enforcement uh, realm that you could become a part of. Even police, like I said. Um, it's much easier to become a police officer if you have a law enforcement background. And it's a much smoother transition. Better, You can have a much better career. It could set yourself up for the future. So you think you'd rather go... I know this is thinking way, way down the road and it's going to change a million times, but what would lead you to go the police officer route versus going to Laneley and working for the CIA? 
Um, I think my experience that I would be able to get with the like deployable forces. So if I can spend more time with MSST tacklets or MSRT, I'm sure I could probably lean more towards like CIA. If I were to do more of the, like the LE mission, like just like just as it is, I probably lean towards the police because it's a much more similar requirements, much more similar job than the counterterrorism or drug enforcement aspect would be. And you have interest in the CIA pretty heavily as of um, right now for maybe a future career prospect afterwards. If I were to uh, stay, then I I mean, I'd obviously want to do 20, 30 years. But if I were to get out, then I'd probably go CIA or some type of other law enforcement agency. Right. You know, it's keep it in the same sphere. I mean, I think that's what is important for a lot of coasties is we like to question when we pick a career or a job how does this translate to the civilian world or the outside society? And we want it to be a good transition because you want to be able to justify why you're working a rate for so many years to have those transferable skills that you've acquired. Right. To jump on that. Um, what have, what have talked to a lot of people, like they all say like the Coast Guard is, Instead of pigeonhole, pigeon like you, you get pigeonholed into one job. Let's say you're do you're a BM. You can do a lot of other things. You can become a boring team member. You can do a bunch of other stuff to to experience a wider realm, become much more experienced. Mm-hmm. While if you were in the Navy or some bigger service, you would be more pinholed into doing your certain job, where you'd be stuck doing that job pretty much only and exclusively. Yeah, they have you do more with less personnel. As the Coast Guard mom, more with less yeah. and. You know, right now where we're under man, that's a lot more with a lot less. and It kind of stresses us. But, you know, the good side of that is that you get more diversified experiences and it allows you to test more things out to what you like best. So now that we've talked about what you want to do for your career and why you want to do that, you know, you're still fairly new to this whole thing. You're in the auxiliary, but you haven't joined the Coast Guard yet. No. So... You have a really good opportunity here being on this platform as the first non-career person in this room. We've had Merchant Marines on the podcast. We've had Coasties on the podcast. But you're a prospective Coastie. So now is your opportunity to ask me questions that you're thinking you or others might have in your shoes. And I'm here to answer them as to the best of my ability. I'm not going to shoot off the cuff if I don't know it, but I'll do the best to answer any questions you have that you think other people might ask too that are important decisions for making this decision and joining the Coast Guard. All right. Um, the first question I want to ask is, how do you think the rates, many rates in Coast Guard transition to the outside world and how smoothly is it? Is it a big difference or can you transition out much easier? Some rates definitely have an easier time than others. So if you think of a yeoman or a storekeeper, how many companies need purchasers and logistics people and HR people to fill out the paperwork? Almost every company, right? Right. So those rates transition really easily to almost any sector that you want to work in. You're not pigeonholed into, oh, I have to work in this one sector because your skills translate to any variety of things. Other rates translate really well, but you're also going to be still in that field. And so you're not going to be able to translate into just about anything. But think about the electrician's mates, okay? 
they can come out and be really stellar, really good electricians for both ship's electricians, home electricians, commercial electricians. But they're still in that scope of electrician field, you know? And then you have the rates like MK, BM. They're working on cutters for a lot of their life. And, you know, a lot of people say that BM doesn't have an endless amount of transitions. You know, they they joke around that I can paint a house when I'm done with the Coast Guard if I go BM. <laughs> but you gain ship handling driving skills that would translate really well to commercial service on the waters. So you can be a commercial mariner at that point. You can drive the ferries. We had a BM recently retired who's trying to drive ferries in Maine right now, become a captain in one of those ships. And so really whatever rate you pick is going to be in that scope of field. People say MST, Marine Science Technician, has really good job prospects, which is true in their field. So they have their field of expertise and they can get really good civilian jobs in said field of expertise. So... I'd say just about any job, you can find transitionable avenues, but if you're looking for more diversity, you got to pick something that's more general to what would be any company, which would be like the storekeepers and yeomen would be any company. If you're an operations specialist, you'd be a pretty good 911 dispatcher. That's right up at the alley of what an OS does because it's essentially dispatcher rate, right? But you're not going to be highly sought after maybe for what you're looking into for the CIA jobs as an OS. But if you're an IS, then the CIA might take a closer look at you as an intelligence specialist because you're big into intelligence, which is a big part of the CIA. So mm-hmm. it's all relative to what your rate is. Some have more avenues to branch into more fields. But I think just about every rate in the Coast Guard, I know some have less prospects but every rate has prospects on the outside. You can even be a social media uh, account manager as a PA because they do similar things. You know, they run the Coast Guard Instagram. So you could do a social media influencer or account page manager for businesses. You can manage their PR accounts. So there's jobs for every rate that will transition. It's just about what you would like to do afterwards, potentially. Right. Um, My next question probably is, um, how was your experiences on non-rate and how did your experiences so far help shape you for your future job as an or rate as an MSS, MST? So everyone joins the Coast Guard and no one says, I want to be a non-rate in the Coast Guard. When everyone asks, what do you want to do in the Coast Guard at the recruiter office? You want to tell them a rate that you want to do. No one says, I want to be a non-rate in the Coast Guard. You know, we all know that it's part of the experience is unless you got a boot camp to A school direct path, you're going to be a non-rate in the Coast Guard for quite a time. And wage lists are growing again. They're getting longer, so you'll have longer time as a non-rate. Some of them are shorter still. But for like you want to be an ME, you're going to be a non-rate for over a year. And... Experiences vary widely based on whether you're at a small boat station, a black hall, a white hall. So I can only attest to my experience that as a seaman on a black hall, we worked on the buoy tender. We worked buoys. Uh, Daily life for us, though, when we weren't underway was we would have projects to upkeep the general maintenance of the ship. That was the day-to-day life of my career as the non-rate. So... That involved a lot of chipping and painting to fight the rust battle 
on the cutter. We're losing it right now because we haven't had time to do that in a while. We've been underway a lot, which gets me to the next place underway. You're standing watches on the helm. And if we're doing migrant ops, you could be a lookout as well on the bridge with the binoculars. And we're out there for the anchor detail. We're out there for more in line. So general deck stuff. And that's how you get to view your times of non is essentially you're a BM4 or an MK4 if you're a fireman. You're there to assist the BMs or MKs if you're a fireman, like I said again, because there's so much work that deck has to do. It's such a big part of the cutter to make it run. And the BMs can't handle it with the amount of personnel they have. So that's where the non-rates come in. They do all the chipping and painting. We call it the undesirable jobs. I don't think anyone wants to be a non-rate their entire career. (laughs) But just know that it's a part of your job. And it does build really good life skills. It teaches you to do the dirty work. And it gives you an appreciation for when you see others do the dirty work. Because... I came from doing the dirty work to getting out of doing the dirty work to going back to doing the dirty work when I joined the Coast Guard. I made it out of there and I came back into that low-ranking area again. And you definitely, when you've done it, you have an appreciation for afterwards and it builds a lot of character on you and helps you get a perspective on all the rates so you're not rushing into a job that you might not want to do after you see an operation for a couple months. How do you think your experience at boot camp is different than the new experiences that people that are coming into your unit are you have experienced well they were just talking about today doing some swim pt training like besides the pt test they had a swim class i didn't have that but at the same time i went through boot camp when we had coronavirus so we had the two weeks that we had to sit in a room without any interaction without any formal training we were just sitting in a room studying our little handbooks that you're going to get when you first go there and so we had an abbreviated six-week course essentially we're there for eight weeks still but we had six weeks of actual real boot camp and they had to cut a lot of stuff out we didn't get to use the pugil sticks or hit each other with the you know the foam pugil sticks or anything but we still got all these senses when we did the firefighting we did the seamanship training we did the swim test we did the pt test we had our fitness days where we go and exercise every morning. So they really keep you in good shape and they have you eat good food to promote healthy habits. And you get your first unit and those healthy habits go away pretty quickly if you're not on top of it. So I think that was one of the best things I can credit boot camp is, you know, they're trying to develop healthy lifestyle habits for you too. It's just such a stressful environment that it's not going to retain in you. So you have to be that change in yourself to retain that afterwards. And boot camp is really trying to get you to understand regimented sales. That's why they have the one-hour watches at night is to get you used to waking up in the middle of the night stand watches because you might have to do that at your unit. You might have the mid-watch. So you're getting up at 11 to stand watch for an hour. I would also say that if you were to talk to someone now about going to boot camp, the companies are going to be bigger again. Mine were very small because of coronavirus. And we also had to wear masks for the first couple of weeks. I don't think they do that anymore. And medical in process wasn't until week three. So it was kind of weird because we got to know each other much better than you guys will get to know each other off the bat. Because 
you know, the first couple of days that you're actually in the fire, you're stressed out and you're running around just trying to stay afloat and keep alive. But we had two weeks to just basically sit in a room talking to a quarter of our company. So we kind of, because we were in four different squad bays, became clannish. So I was in Bravo Bay and everyone in Bravo Bay was pro Bravo Bay. And then everyone in Delta Bay was pro Delta Bay. And so they finally mixed us all up. And we were still kind of clannish, but that all went away within the first day of being in the big birthing at boot camp where all the showers are one big shower and you get to share the showers and there's no privacy. All the beds are in one line and, you know, maybe this this guy's from Delta Bay, but now he's your rack mate, so you get to work together with him. No more clannish behavior, but now you guys are just all integrated into one company right off the bat. So there's no more of that clan mentality. Um, I know people who are listening to this podcast who are planning to go in or are looking to go in. Um, do you know anything about how about the reversion and how to stay away from being reverted? Because I know everyone think everyone's really scared of getting reverted. Right. So that's the scariest thing there, and that's their biggest scare tactic they can use on you is. It's, it's has good design behind it is that if they feel that you're not ready for the fleet, you could use an extra week of instruction. That's why they have the reversion as a tool to use there. But it keeps people stressed enough to be on edge at all times is that you can't let yourself slip one day or else you'll get reverted. And this is any point in the process. I saw people get reverted week seven when we were letting our guard down because they started getting cocky and casual with some of the people in earlier weeks and they got called out for it by our section commander and got reverted. So there were stories of the last night at boot camp, someone got reverted to week one for doing something bad enough. So you can get reverted at any stage in boot camp. It's not just the beginning stage. And what you got to remember is you could do everything right and just make one mistake and get reverted for that out of your control. There's one guy he was like the leader of our company. He was a former Marine going through the whole boot camp process again. He bumped into someone and in the heat of stuff, he shoved him out of the way. You know, just something that he wasn't even thinking about. You know, he's just trying to get from point A to point B. One of the CCs saw him and that was one of the big rules was no putting your hands on another shipmate. So we all gathered around a room and he got called out and they said, did you put your hands on that shipmate? And he said, yes, I did. And... He's like, okay, pack your stuff. You're going to Uniform Company, which is the next company after uh, Tango. And so what you got to do is just remember that you want to do the best you can to not get reverted, but it's only an extra week or two. It's not the end of the world also. It seems like the end of the world at boot camp because those eight weeks feel like eternity. <laughs> but I would just say, you know, study your book. The material that you get before boot camp that they tell you know this material, they're not kidding. Know that material. There's a reason why they tell you to memorize certain things before you get to boot camp. It'll make your life so much easier once you're actually going through boot camp. Right. Well, that's pretty much all I had. Um, actually, I do have one more question. Um, if you do get reverted or you are you're in ramp or when any of the other these remedial programs. How does it look to other people when you're when you get out of boot camp and you're going to the fleet? 
How we view it from our perspective on the boat was I did I fortunately did not get reverted, but what was it? I think the next four people that came to the boat got reverted before they showed up. And how we view it on the boat is we're sitting around the room talking and we hear that oh, let's say Eric gets reverted and yeah, this new Seaman Slutsky guy that's supposed to be coming here in a couple weeks. I guess he got reverted, so he's going to be an extra week. Then we're all just sitting there, all right, no big deal, because you're not there. You're not, we're not missing you because we don't have you. (laughs) So it's just on our end, it's so casual because another week's another week. And think about, I've been here a year and a half. And how many weeks is that? That's got to be about like 80 weeks. So what's one more week to me, right? If you're on a three-year tour, Three years is about 150 weeks. What's one more week? So mm-hmm. there was there was a guy at boot camp, and I don't know if he's listened to this, but Petty Officer Hingston. He's a reservist, lives in New Jersey. He's a gunner's mate, second class at the time. And he actually works as a police officer. I don't know where in New Jersey he works. I think somewhere in southern New Jersey City, an hour and a half drive to Cape May. So maybe more towards where you live. But he used to always tell us that he said, Hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. If you worry about it, you're going to get reverted. Just do your best. That's all you got to do. So what if you get reverted a week? It's just a week. One week's just another week. That's it. And so that's a really good mentality to keep. Yeah, that's uh, that's much all I had to ask from my, from my side. Well, I would also like to promote to you uh, just because you have an opportunity to tell a lot of your friends in high school that are joining is right now the Coast Guard has a referral program. So when you go to the recruiter's office, they're going to ask, did anyone refer you to the Coast Guard? And a lot of people will just say, nope, I don't really know anyone. I just decided to join. Don't put anyone down as a referral. But I would encourage everyone, if you know anyone in the Coast Guard that has ever helped you in any little way, to put their name down on that referral list because right now they're giving a $1,000 bonus, I believe it is, for signing up a friend to go through boot camp. It's like a refer a friend program. But the more important thing also is that they can get award points instead of the money if they want. So they get a letter of accommodation, which adds points toward their service-wide exam and will help them get promoted in the service. And that's what we're all trying to do is get promoted. So to everyone listening, if you have anyone out there that has ever helped you in any way with the Coast Guard, you're allowed to put a refer a friend down when you go and sign up to join. And that will greatly help them out in their career because those service-wide points are very valuable. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense when you're not in there, but once you get in the Coast Guard, you can see how the service-wide works. That 0.5 points is very valuable. I was able to refer a friend when I joined so he was able to get that uh, LOC and get recognized at quarters for it. And that will help him get promoted. He just got promoted actually to BM2. So he was able to use that. It's a supplemental BM3 to BM2 right now. But he'll be able to use that and get him promoted to BM1. So just helps out overall. Are you familiar with that program? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, just promote that to your friends and... Yeah. You know, just to help current coasties out uh, across the board, it really helps them. Yeah, I feel like in the modern day, especially now, what I'm seeing with my school and surrounding schools, 
um, especially in my area, people are looking more towards college and compared to like in the past, people were looking towards the military because people don't really think as highly as of serving now. But I think that if you are looking to serve, don't be discouraged because only you know what's good for yourself and what's, what what you want to do. Because I know people who tried to tell me that it wasn't for me and that I should look at other options. But in reality, if you know what you want to do, just stick with it until you get there. Well, I think I'd like to wrap up with that too, is that do you see a major push in schools to try to get kids now to only look at college? Or is it still pretty open and people talk about the military and other options, trade schools? I think people are looking more towards college. So they, they mean, they're still looking military more so towards like West Point, Naval Academy. They're not really looking at the enlistment aspect of it just because there's such a push in the modern day to get your degree and to get your master's and get your bachelor's so that you can make money in the future. But in, in reality, I think people should look at the bigger picture and do what's best for them, what they, they think will make them happy. Well, if you look, I'll, I'll mention this to your career thing that we talked about earlier too, is what do we have a shortage of right now? Um, Basically any practical trade that, yeah. you know, you went out of school and you started working, right? Yeah. We're short on masons, electricians, plumbers, welders, carpenters. You can get all those skills in the Coast Guard. All right. <laughs> I just mentioned like four of them for damage controlmen too. That's a, that's a plug for your DCs out there. But... If anything, it's what I'm trying to get at is that society goes in waves. And right now the wave is college. You know, society is going waves about should we live in the city, should we live in the suburbs, you know how it goes back and forth. And right now there's a suburban push. People are leaving the cities. Right. But people have come to the cities multiple times over America's history too. I think where so long ago, like in my parents' generation, my parents are in their 50s right now, people didn't get that push to go to college as much. A lot of people just got out and worked. And military is one of those options for getting out of high school and working. But a lot of people just got jobs. And over the past 20 years, it's shifted that now it's get out and go to college. But what this creating is high student debts, you know, taking out heavier, larger, larger student loans. So you play it smart and you don't end up with student loans. It's a pretty smart way of doing things. Military will pay for college after you give your service. So I think it's phenomenal taking that route that you're doing. I would encourage, this is coming from someone that went to college. I I went to a four-year accredited college program, very niche field. I really believe that the only people that should go to college after high school are ones that are in niche fields. So if you want to be a doctor, yes, you have to go to school to be a doctor. Same with being a lawyer, right? There's no argument about that. You could join the military, do your service for four years, and then you want to worry about paying for school because you know, you'd have your GI Bill. So there's always that option regardless. But I understand the whole idea behind having someone want to get in their careers early as possible in competitive careers like that. But I just constantly stress that if you don't know what you want to do when you graduate high school and you're just going to college just to take classes and try to figure it out, join the military. It 
I'm I'm not a Coast Guard spokesperson. I'm not a recruiter. That's just my personal advice. And this is coming from that went to college. Right. There's a lot of stereotypes around the military, especially now in the modern day. And after like seeing like some of it firsthand, I don't really think they're true. Like people think that it's for people who don't have an opportunity or people who don't know what they want to do, but in reality it's people who want to better themselves, people who wanna like set themselves up for the future to be successful. It's actually the exact opposite. It's more so that people just wanna be the better version of themselves. And either travel, get away from their hometown, or... Something just, bigger than themselves. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the main reason. Yeah, and I, I really do believe that it's just a phenomenal opportunity to, for a chance for some, anyone to grow up and get practical life work experience. Because a lot of those places that you graduate college, they want to see work experience, too. Right. And that's what the military service provides. So... Well, thank you, Eric, for coming on here today and making the trip. You actually, you've impressed me because you took the train all the way from New Jersey today just to be on the podcast before I pack up shop and move here tomorrow. So I was uh, very impressed with your thoughtfulness and thoroughness to want to come up here and take initiative. And I think that the Coast Guard's going to be very happy to have you as an additional shipmate in the service. Thank you. It means a lot. Yeah, of course. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode. It was a real treat to have a prospective Coastie on here. We don't get to talk to many high schoolers, and you are the people that I'm trying to reach out to and get more interaction with. Right. Do you feel that it would help if we went to high schools more and got to talk to you guys, maybe a counselor's office? Yeah, especially with my experience at schools right now, I've seen a couple of Marine, like Marines, Army, mostly Navy. I have, I have not talked to any Coast Guard. I mean, there's been maybe, like, people from the Academy, but, like, there's never been any actual, like, Coast Guard recruiters in my past, like, two and a half years of schooling in my high school. Well, then I guess I'll make that promise to you, is I'm not a recruiter. I don't have intentions on being a recruiter, as of right now, anyways. But I'll make an effort, and I'll try to push others to make an effort to... Uh, volunteer community service hours at going to schools and just talking to people you know just telling them their perspective not making a push not trying to convince you of anything just throwing it out there what we do right and i think that'd be a big help for you guys yeah definitely so what i would ask of you is to do the same once you're in the coast guard and use your platform and your position to maybe help that next kid in high school who's thinking about joining yeah, I will. I definitely will. Well, um, again, thank you very much, Eric, for coming on board. Thank you for and having me. To the viewers, thanks for listening again. And we'll uh, be excited to have more guests like Eric in the future that have prospects of joining. So really want to thank and appreciate everyone for continuing to tune into our episodes. And we have great guests coming in the future. And we hope to hear you for those ones as well. So thank you and have a good day.